Welcome, everyone, to another edition of our weekly Wednesday series, where I have the fortunate opportunity to interview some of the best agents from across the country. Uh, but before we begin, if you are tired of renting in the Bay Area, are a homeowner looking to do a trade-up for a bigger home, or are a real estate investor, love to connect. Uh, feel free to reach out anytime, love to set up a time to talk. It's really never too early to talk about your options and work out on a game plan. Nevertheless, let's get started. Uh, today, I'm very delighted to have Catherine Ryan from the Miami Beach, Florida location. I actually met Catherine at a uh, conference. How long? I mean, I don't even know when conferences are going to be again, so that's the problem. <laughs> it but, seems uh, like five years ago, right? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy long. And it's, um, mm -hmm. yeah, hopefully one day, though, you know, these kind of conferences will be back. But really delighted to have you. I know you, uh, you were and you yeah. still continue to be a rock star, especially in uh, a beautiful area of Miami Beach. So the audience will will learn a lot. And so maybe before we begin, love to hear about your story. What did you do before sure. real estate? And uh, how long have you been in the business for now? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And um, I'm delighted to be here. My name is Catherine Rain. I'm from originally from Germany. And I came to this beautiful country as a nanny, as an au pair. And that was 15 years ago in June, and I'm still here. I was a stand-up comedian in LA before I started my real estate journey. I was actually really funny and really good, and it was a lot of fun. However, it didn't pay a lot of money, and I had a little son, and I needed to have some good income. And then I decided to start real estate because a friend of mine had told me, uh, he was actually my realtor, and he told me, Catherine, I really see you in real estate. You're so smart. You're so fast. You, you know, you have a, a he called it a brilliant mind. I, I don't know if that's true, but he called it and he really encouraged me to get started. And uh, that's what I did. And uh, eight years later, here I am. So I do serve Miami, Cora Gables, Miami Beach, all the way to Fort Lauderdale. And um, I am a solo agent. I tried the team route several times. It's just not for me because my clients want this high level of service. And I feel um, it's really hard to delegate that. So I take care of all of my clients myself. However, I'm very admin heavy. I have two full-time admins, one virtual, one in the office. And I do have a showing agent. And it's really uh, my passion to be a single agent. And I uh, have, th through being a single agent and... Uh, for years, the single agency, like the single agent business has not been very respected, I felt, because it's always like, oh, look at this producer. He sold 150 million last year. Yeah, but he has like 30 agents on his team, right? right. Um, and because I pushed so much for it, we have now um, solo agent masterminds in my company with the top solo agents. And it's been really amazing to mastermind with them and to be recognized and to thrive. And I, I really enjoy it. That's awesome. Can you share your production levels of like last year and how this year would be? Because I think that's, oh. you're, you're absolutely right. There for several years has always been this push of building this team and for a lot of companies. And mm -hmm. there is some scale aspects that make sense, but at the same time, it gets masked because it's not it's not about revenue per se. It's really net what profit. You what, yeah. yeah, what you take home, which, which yeah. doesn't get as advertised, right? I mean, maybe yeah, for good some, reason. Some <laughs> but, of those people, I can tell you for sure, some of those people make less money than me. 
And right. I'm, I'm pretty happy on what I take home. My net is, is very high because I don't have a lot of expenses other right. than marketing and the two staff members. So, um, yeah, last, last year I sold uh, almost 80 homes, 78.5. And I did 50 million. This year, I believe I'm right now at around 35, 40 homes. We did got, get 30 homes pending and sold during COVID. So we've wow. been really, really busy. And um, it's, been, it's been good. I don't know if I'm going to produce as much as last year, but I'm happy with my production. So It's clearly very good. And, mm -hmm. and, and curious, like so far this year, what was the lowest price point that you've done? And what was the highest price point you've done? So people have an idea of like the range. Oh, okay. The area. Yeah. I have right now two listings for 119 and 124. And I just got my church, my listing under contract. I, that is an $8 million listing. It's a two-acre property on a main street that's um, mixed use. So uh, I took that listing. I was a referral from another agent. And I took that listing and uh, we got an offer on it. Really? How, yeah. how long do those typically uh, take to sell? Like, what's, what's it, What is the expectation with the seller? What this Like, how long this should be? it should be on the market. Like how, do, how does our conversations work? Well, this was a commercial property and this one is actually not on the market. I handled okay. this off market because it was uh, a privacy issue with the church. They didn't want people to know that they were selling the church. So I had to like really uh, handle it. Just watching from a microphone. I just really had to handle this diligently and, and very, you know, secretive. And I just reached out to realtors I had a relationship with because that's what I am. I'm a relationship builder. And uh, I've, I found the buyer. I found the agent that had the buyer. And uh, we just, you know, have been working on it for six months now because of COVID, we couldn't really um, meet and the church wanted to meet in person. They're old school people and it took a little bit longer to put it all together, but finally um, we had it all configured. Nice. And so, and so walk us through a little bit of what has been going on over the last months in the local area mm -hmm. when it comes when it came to COVID, because I know Florida was one of the areas that had uh, opened up early. Um, and now we're seeing a lot more cases come up mm -hmm. given, given a lot of more freedom than other yeah. areas. Let's say that. And of course, people are trying to enjoy the beautiful weather. Um, so what, where are things now from that perspective, but also from a real estate perspective, has it, has it actually impacted anything? Cause it seems like a majority of your transactions have actually been the standard yeah, kind of yeah. a spring springtime anyways. Right. So, yes. mm -hmm. um, so tell me about. What's going on locally? So Florida is now the number one move-in state. A lot of people are moving from California. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people are moving from New York. You probably don't like them to move to us, but hey, at least you get to sell their homes in in California. So we've seen a huge, huge incline on uh, on people moving from those states. We are a really, really hot state. Anything that hits the market that's moving ready moves within a few days if it's priced well. Anything that needs work takes a little bit longer. So real estate-wise, um, we're busiest ever. I have super low inventory. I'm advertising. That's my prime focus right now, getting new listings. 
I only have 19 listings left and I really need to get new listings, especially single family homes. People uh, are moving like crazy. As far as uh, the other thing, you know, I don't pay much attention to the local news because I find it depressing and it doesn't help me really with my mindset to stay focused. I just uh, try to, you know, digest the relevant information because at the same time, I don't want to look like an idiot when people talk about some news and I don't know what's going on. Right. Um, I, I know that there is a lot of vacationers and people that don't, um, you know, um, respect the social distancing, even locals, they party and there will always be those people. We have a lot of those in Miami, unfortunately, <laughs> comes with the territory. So, um, what can I say? Miami is sometimes not the smartest, uh, ground and, uh, yeah, I hope we don't get another another lockdown because that um you know wouldn't help anyone especially not the small businesses i know a lot of people on the beach are still closed or mm -hmm. running as restricted hours so it's not good for any of us if they are shut down mm -hmm. and how have prices been reacting uh, because it's such low inventory and it seems like that's a problem happening across the country so it, yeah it's really interesting it's not just specific areas like how have prices reacted because of low inventory and record low interest rates? Well, whenever there's low inventory, the prices go up, right? I mean, I made an offer for one of my clients. They haven't even seen the house. We did a virtual showing and it was like a $2.2 million house and they lost. They had six offers in two days. They got above listing price. So prices are being affected. If something is priced well, it moves really quickly with multiple offers and above asking price. And what's the driver of, of that kind of buyer? Is it actually the relocation? Is it a relocation buyer or is it somebody local that's wanting a new space? Like what kind of, what do you normally see? It, it really depends because I've worked with all kinds of people. I have right now a few investors that want to buy waterfront properties and they buy oh, basically wow. anything that comes on the market. Uh, I, at the same time, we have a lot of relocation people because people, I mean, we're in this beautiful business where we, um, help people change their lives and there's a lot of people that have changes in their life uh, i also have right now a multi-family listed and the owner just passed so they need to sell the property i have people that want to invest and they want they have additional cash because they don't want to invest in the stock market so they want to buy waterfront and then we have those people that get relocated they work for a miami-based company and they need to start their job July 1st, at, which is today, or let's say August 1st. And they need to be there. Today, I, I did a walkthrough for somebody that I rented a house to. And they're not in town until a week from now. But I did the walkthrough. I collected the keys so that they have their house once they're here. And we have a lot of those. People can't wait for for things, you know, for this to pass by or, or for the economy to change, they need to move now. And we're mm -hmm. there to help them make this happen. Excellent. Is there, do you find any sort of trends at all that have played out? Um, like as in certain types of properties, maybe single family are doing way better than, than condos? Like what's... Yeah, yeah okay. single family definitely is doing way better than condo. Condo is a little bit tough right now, unless it's priced really well. Um, the luxury condos also are not as easy to sell right now, but single family, anything that hits the market moves. And what are you doing? Because since inventory is so low and, and listings, I mean, 
not everyone will be comfortable of having people come in and out of their house as well. Mm -hmm. um, so what what are you doing to try to get more listings? Like what are some of the approaches? Are you doing anything different as well than before? Yes. Yes, I'm doing a lot of things different. I'm doing a lot of videos. I don't know if you've seen my virtual open houses. Actually, um, I've had so many podcasts and panels that I've spoken on about my virtual open houses because we got so many properties pending during COVID because do of doing that. In the beginning, I was a little bit skeptical that people would buy virtual their homes. But then I saw during the time when we had a complete lockdown and we were not essential as realtors, people right. still bought and sold. So that made me change my own mindset. And because I had a different mindset, I was able to convince my clients of that. And uh, we just basically do virtual walkthroughs on all the homes that we have. And we repurpose those recordings later and, and premiere them on my Facebook account, on, on the business page. How exactly it works? I don't know. My, my virtual assistant does it. But nice. we've, <laughs> we've gotten a lot of activity through that. And um, I do a weekly market update for my clients that I just post on social media to show them what's going on and to make them aware that people are still moving because a lot of people out there think nothing is happening and everybody's right. on standstill and it's absolutely not the case. And it's very important to educate the people on what's happening. And mm -hmm. then I also send out postcards once a month with, you know, the newest one says, I want to sell your home. And it shows all the homes I got pending and sold over the last few weeks. Nice. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would agree with that comment. Like you mentioned in the beginning, you, you're not watching the news, you know, every day yourself, because they're there to strike fear or cause, you know, a neg somewhat of a negative reaction, but a yeah. lot of people are. Yeah. And so they may assume while wow, the world is to end real estate is going to crash, you know, all these really negative thoughts. Yeah. And then once they hear you and they see what's happening, then they're like, it is a little interesting too, right? Because on one end, you, you yeah. do see these pretty bad headlines. But at the same time, those people that are affected of that may not have been home buyers to begin with. Yes. So it is it is very skewed of who's getting affected, um, especially this time around. Yeah, I really um I really see the the working class people are being affected. And I see that because I have this multifamily listing right now. And every buyer that I show it to that owns already some multifamily, they all tell me that their rents have gone down over the last few months because those are the people right. that just can't afford the rent if they lose their job. And um, that is is an, you know, a, a result that we're seeing. However, the, the other price ranges like, I mean, this is a $1.5 million property, but it affects the tenants of the of the property. And mm. then the other price ranges, any, anything above a million moves. I mean, those people are either invested in, in, you know, in other things besides the stock market or they have the cash liquid or their lawyers, they kept their job, their doctors, they have professions where they didn't get laid off and they still have the cash to buy and they still buy. That is really interesting. Now, the interesting part of multifamily is how are the expectations of new buyers given mm -hmm. there is some, uh, there's definitely an effect on the rental market versus the sellers. Is there a, a, a divide of what yeah, they, they there's a little bit, Yeah, there's a little bit of a disconnect, uh, especially when the 
when the rents are already low and, and the owner tells you, yeah, but you can raise rents. I'm like, well, this is really not the right time <laughs> right. to raise the rents. Um, yeah, there right. is a disconnect. It's, it's all about setting the expectations and educating people. I mean, after all, we, we do our best, but I'm certainly no magician. And uh, I, you know, it's all about setting the expectations and having the conversations with the people so that they realize what's going on. Do you happen to know off the top of your head, uh, like what cap rates generally are these days in your area? It really depends because in Miami, you walk one street, you're in a different neighborhood. If you're in mm. prime, prime location, the cap on, on single family homes, there is no cap rates, almost no cap rates. I, I mean, I just sold one of right. my single family homes because it like I broke even after the mortgage. So I decided to reinvest the money somewhere else. But if you own multifamily, the return is three, four percent in prime location. And if you go in, uh, you know, in the working class neighborhoods, I'm not even I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> so I, I'm not here to insult anyone or to, yeah. you know, if you go in a different area, let's call it like this, you should expect six percent and up. I've had people call me and say, I wow. want a 10% return. And that's, I haven't seen that in a long time in Miami. Oh, wow. Interesting. And mm -hmm. do you see, uh, Fort Lauderdale is certainly very interesting as well. Like mm -hmm. what's, how are people deciding Fort Lauderdale or Miami beach? Like what are the mindsets or, or some are open to both? Like what's, what's yeah, some are open to both, but they need to make a decision because I don't show them homes and like, two different cities it's completely different they need to first figure out what they want because i've done that once i showed someone 60 homes <laughs> and it's, it's a completely different lifestyle fort lauderdale is a much slower pace it's much more relaxed versus miami is like quick um it's a completely different lifestyle it seems like the the it seems like um Larger businesses, though, are moving into downtown Fort Lauderdale per se, right? Because I was just there on a cruise trip. Um, well, but uh, that must have been a while ago, right? Well, it's, it's uh, six months ago, six, seven months oh, ago. Oh, yeah, trust yeah. me. I thought, yeah. like, what? You took no, a cruise? No, not recently. No, six, seven months ago. And then we, we stayed in downtown Fort Lauderdale. And it, I was surprised. It was, like, really a lot of new skyscrapers, right? Yeah. Um, they're just still building like crazy, like really cool uh, restaurants and retail space. Mm -hmm. So has that environment changed much? Like are people wanting to live in that downtown area or are still people like the sub suburbs more? I, to be honest with you, I don't work downtown Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So I work more waterfront properties. Um, okay. the people that either want to be Miami or Fort Lauderdale waterfront. Miami, I work everything, but I don't do downtown Fort Lauderdale. So. Oh, I can really tell you the details about that. Got it. And, and what is the price difference then if someone wants to do a, a waterfront in Fort Lauderdale typically versus Miami? Like how much of a difference is it usually? There's not that much of a difference anymore. And it really depends also on the location. Um, I got yesterday a referral from someone uh, that wanted to have a waterfront property in, in either Fort Lauderdale or Miami. It's, I, we have a lot of those. That's why I had to laugh about your question <laughs> because it's so different. Um, and his budget was two million, but he said he could go up to three. And I said to him, "You rather become familiar with three because the two is not getting you much anymore." Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, what can you describe? What can you get for three million dollar waterfront? Like, what kind? How big of a house? What kind of lot? 
Like what are some of the amenities? So I just sold in Cory Gables, which is very close to my house. I sold a four bedroom house. I believe the house was around 4,000 square foot on a 14,000 square foot lot, but it was all remodeled. And oh. my buyer got it for 2.6, but I know he got a really good deal because I negotiated very well for him. I think that the house is probably worth 3.4. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and are your are your clients living in that? Is it is it like an investment property per se? And yeah. they just come occasionally? Yeah, that or? An, no, that is an investment property. We rented that one out. I rented that one for 15000 a month. Oh, wow. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So they're really... Is it a majority of people are just are renting it out? Uh, or no, that's just a unique person. Most people okay. that buy on the water would really then also live on the water. Okay. You have a lot right now. We have a lot of people though from Boston and New York that right. want to buy uh, on the water, but they want to rent first to get familiar with it. But there's no inventory for renting, so most of oh. them switch immediately to buying. Oh, that is interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Mm -hmm. And it has air. Did they ever Airbnb those types of properties in the past no, or not so much? You cannot. At, okay. uh, in, in Cora Gables, you cannot do that. Miami Beach, you can also not do that. They have short-term rental laws. And if you oh. violate it, like, I think the first fine is like 22000 Wow. So people don't do it. Oh, interesting. Got it. Mm -hmm. And so how do you see the market playing out? We're, we're the f beginning of July now. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think... Are, are, are things seemingly to continue to increase in price? Do you think inventory will get any better? Like what are your general sentiments, at least in the very short term? Um, you know, I, I try not to think to and uh, think about it because the truth is we all don't know and there's no point of thinking about it. Uh, I'd rather spend my time getting new listings. If you ask me now what I'm thinking I mean, it could go either way. It could go that everybody that was holding back on selling wants to sell in a month because, you know, maybe by then we have a vaccine for the virus and then they all come at once at the, on the market. So that would not be very good mm -hmm. because then prices would drop. Or it could be that everybody's holding on to the house, the inventory stays low and the prices increase. I honestly, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm not a, I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball and I rather focus on selling homes than prognosis because we all really, we don't know. It's just, right. we see trends and we can interpret them. For me right now, business has been going really well, better almost than ever. I'm mm -hmm. a super sufficient and, um, and, uh, how do you call it? Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm doing really well with my virtual open houses. So that saves right. me a lot of time versus always going to the open house and, and doing it in person. So, you know, my business has really adjusted since all of this because I had to, I had to make a change. And I know for a fact that a lot of my colleagues and a lot of other realtors have suffered. Their business has suffered. People call me, oh yeah, I had nothing to do the last three months. And I have been so busy, like, it's been crazy. So I think I have done a few things right. Um, as starting with the, those virtual open homes, I bought a web link called miami-virtual.com that forwarded to my Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And all my virtual open houses are on there. And I think because I was so flexible, a lot of my clients and people that I took on as clients saw that I differentiate myself from other agents. And that's why they gave me a lot of business. And I just, you know, for me, I want to continue doing that and want to take market share and 
whatever the market is doing after that, I don't really care because I'll have the listings and I'm doing business and other people might not, but I prepared and I'm doing things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the only thing that quite frankly, for most of us should do, right? I mean, we can't control whether the stock market goes up or down, we can't control yeah. interest rates. We can't control how many new listings per se. I mean, mm -hmm. you can try to generate more, but that's still, it's, you you, re you rely on a, a lot of other agents mm -hmm. being able to find listings. Otherwise, there's nothing to buy, right? Correct. So there's a lot of things out of your control, but there's certainly a lot of things that, uh, that's really interesting to hear of what you have done differently to adapt. Mm -hmm. uh, and now it's probably something that you'll keep doing for a while now, right? Yeah. Even if yeah, things um, do get better. Yeah, I um, definitely want to continue doing those virtual open houses. I mean, what, what we've heard in the past about realtors getting attacked at open houses, I really don't have any desire to do an open house right now. Yeah. And um, and it has worked with, I mean, I had on some of my virtual open houses about 5,000 views. When, wow. it, when in life did I have 5,000 people <laughs> walk into my open house? Never. So, yeah, um, yeah it, I, it works, guys. It works. So um, I'll, I'll continue doing that. That is awesome. Um, my last question is related to, you mentioned in the beginning of the uh, the Solar Realtor Mastermind mm -hmm. kind of group. Like, how long have you been involved in that? And what were some of the things that you implemented or you did? Maybe it's a virtual open house. What were some of the things that you actually added to your uh, tool belt after learning maybe from others what they were doing sure um so i have been involved in that so it basically started during mega cam no family reunion sorry that was in february we had our first like at family reunion the first mastermind with gary keller and we've had it now ever every month and uh, one time he even interviewed me on it which was great about my virtual open houses and um, we have a Facebook page with it and we share ideas. So one of the things I implemented was a showing agent because really I lose so much time on showings and I always felt I have to be there. I have to do it. And my clients also always ask for me. And now I just set the expectation when I meet with the clients, I tell them, look, um, I just wanted to let you know upfront that I won't be doing the showings. I have someone that's always available to open doors because my expertise is needed behind the scenes and mm -hmm. opening a house is really not such a big art. And, and sometimes they still want me and I tell them, look, my showing agent, she's much more enthusiastic like, than me, much more patient. Like I wouldn't be as good as she is. And then they understand. And also with buyers now I'm sending uh, showing agents. I really don't want to do 10 showings a day and, 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 you know, race from house to house and right. to, just to open a door. And that was something I really had to, you know, I had to let go of that limiting belief that only I can do it and that only I can show the homes. The truth is, yeah, I show the homes in a very special way. I do it very well. And my conversion rate is good on, mm -hmm. on when I do the showings versus I, I, me putting a lockbox, but I can hire someone to do the showing for me and I pay them per showing and they can do that for me. So that is something I've learned in, in that group. The oh. other thing that, that I've learned, and this is maybe something not everybody wants to do, but I've learned that, um, you know, if you have the listing and you charge the 6%, you can control how much you give to the cooperating agent. 
So on some of the listings that I know that sell quickly and that sell well, I pay myself more because I do more work. I got the listing, I have the marketing expense and I deserve to be paid more. So I give myself a little pay increase and that's something I've learned at that mastermind too. And that's interesting. How how are how is that typically drawn up then? Is it like if you can sell an X time, you get X percentage? Like is there some sort of scale or how does that how do you well, you just it? put yeah. the you just put the total commission and then you uh, and then you make the change. You decide how much you pay the other agent. Oh, got it. Okay, so there's no because you mentioned about there may be some aspects of time. So, for example, if it sells very fast. Oh, yeah. If it's yeah. It, you know, if it's like a vacant piece of land, I'm not paying three percent. I give two percent because most likely, the wife of the developer is the realtor or the uncle or the cousin, uh, and I have to do all the work. They asked me to write up the contract and do everything, and I just got tired of always having to pay out 3% when I did all the work. So on that, I pay less. Um, if it's a hot listing that sells quickly, I pay myself more. Interesting. That's that's very mm -hmm. cool. It, is the general split in your era 3-3? Three, three? Is that yeah. just most yeah. common? Yeah, okay. and I didn't do it before because I always thought, you know, I don't want to be considered just discount broker. They probably think I only got the listing because I charge less. Right. I don't care anymore what people think. <laughs> you know, the truth is I work so hard to get my listings. And as a buyer's agent, you really have no expenses besides gas. So um, <laughs> that is interesting. Very interesting. And related to the showing of houses it, because that is certainly very different now right i think in the past like i had my clients because they had open houses on the weekend yeah. so they can, mm -hmm. they can technically go on their own and they give me the feedback and we discuss strategy after mm -hmm. but now i presume in your area there's also no open houses right that's all there gone. might yeah there 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 is some oh um, really yeah there are some people that do it i just chose not to do it anymore because i don't want to risk my life first of all, wow, and okay. with the virtual open houses, we've had so much better success and response rate and property sold faster that I think it's a much better idea. I mean, who are you kidding? We're doing the open houses only to find clients for other houses. We're not doing the open houses to sell that house. And I tell this all my, my clients, you know, if a realtor tells you they're doing an open house to sell your house, they're lying. They just <laughs> want to meet people at the open house. So let's just be real here. And um, okay. they laugh when I tell them. <laughs> it's the truth, you know? Yeah. But then for when you go show houses, I mean, there is the value. And I get this question at times. So I'd love to hear how you how you uh, answer it is they want to go with you because you know a lot about the area, about the neighborhood, about the houses, so on and so forth. So they're like, well, I don't want to work with a showing agent because I want to get your input of that particular house. How well, do you, I can, yeah. I can give them my input from looking at the pictures. I can tell them this right away. So what I do after, after the showing, I jump with them on the phone and I talk with them about all the houses they've seen. And the showing agent also gives me a feedback with all their notes. So that I'm totally in the loop. It's like, it's like basically like I'm there. They can also take me a video and pictures of, you know, if there was something weird in the house. So it's basically like I'm there. And I mean, you and I, we could take listings without even seeing the house, right? We could right. know it's just from the tax roll and looking up the information. It's nothing different. Um, I can then go once we're under contract, if they want, I can go to the house during inspection or 
take a look, but it's really not necessary because I know the comps in the area. I can see it from the pictures and most of the time there's a video. It's, it's, it's really a mindset thing. I, it's a limiting belief that you can't do it. That's awesome. And how did you find the, your showing agent? Like, how did you actually source this person? It seems like it's, they're on, they're not like, um, they're not a contractor per se. They're like per showing. Is that? Yeah, I pay them per showing. Right. Um, if they if they were to take a buyer out all by themselves from beginning to end, then I pay them a percentage. But so far, I haven't had anyone because then this goes on vacation, this goes on vacation, and then I don't know how to split in the end their percentage. So I'd rather oh. pay them per showing. So I just found people in in the areas where I have listings because I also have to show the listings. They're not on lockbox. They have to be shown in person. So that is also an additional expense other realtors don't have in other states. Everything is on lockbox and they don't have to spend anything on their listing. I have that expense. That's why oh. I feel like I deserve, I deserve to be paid more. <laughs> and um, what I want to soon start is to charge more, like six and a half, seven percent. And I know realtors right. in other markets do that and they they charge more than anyone else and they still survive. So, you know, something that I want to implement but um yeah I, sh I pay them per showing and um it, i just look for i i asked actually my team leader she was very helpful she sent me someone and then i have a girl that you know she's a realtor she does all of her own business but when she's available she does showings for me when i'm not in town and then i have someone else in the area i just took a listing uh in aventura i don't want to drive there it's far mm -hmm. from me and i have a girl that does for me the showings there but i pay those people well so they like to work for me that is awesome. That is that mm -hmm. is very smart because I mean, I, it, it, that that time management, especially now where there is less options for them to go see it themselves, is is very smart mm -hmm. uh, because you can't be at even at two places. Even if you wanted to, you couldn't be at two places at the same time, especially if they want to go see on the weekends. Yeah. Right. So uh, and the truth is, the truth is, I I honestly don't enjoy showing homes anymore. I'm like, here's the <laughs> kitchen. <laughs> Here's the bedroom. Here's the balcony. I mean, <laughs> you've seen enough of those over I've the years. I've seen enough of those. I go through the pictures, click, click, click. I'm like, okay, done. They've been there. So. And then, and then, my last question as we wrap up is, how do you divide the work of your local admin and your t uh, virtual admin? Like, how do you split oh, the work? Okay. Well, right now I don't have one in my office because she couldn't work from home because of COVID. So, um. Right now, everything is on my virtual. But in normal times, my uh, the one in the office does everything, like errands, put a sign here, copy keys mm. here, uh, answer phone calls. The one that's virtual does only the marketing. Flyers, um, the videos, um, make me this graphic, this announcement. The, she She's full-time, but she... You know, uh, she has a really good job because I don't think she's full-time leveraged. Okay. Uh, but, right. you know, again, I pay her well because I want to keep her on and she does good work. So I'm happy with her. But it's very clearly defined. The one only does the marketing. The other one does everything else. Oh, and then I have, the, I, use, I do use services um, like a, a virtual assistant company that inputs my listings. And I use sometimes a transaction coordinator, depending on the transaction. Oh, sometimes. How come not every time, per se? If it's a cash deal, I really feel it's not necessary. It really oh. depends on the transaction. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Okay, got it. And in those cases, you just pay by transaction anyways. It's not like yeah. you hire anybody. Mm-hmm. Correct. Got it. And that, that makes me feel so lucky because I really don't have a large overhead. No, I mean, even yeah. this office space here, this is a storefront office. I bought it. So hmm. all I have to pay is the mortgage, which pays the debt down. And then I own the place eventually. Uh, so my overhead is really small. The virtual assistant doesn't cost me much. The one in the office, I pay her well. Probably a little bit too much, but <laughs> um, don't show her yeah. this video. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I hope she knows she, <laughs> she knows, knows that. And um, my overhead, though, overall is like really low. So, you know, if I had now a team with 30 agents, I would be sweating and I'm not. So I'm sitting here chilling and I'm just, you know, happy. I, I think, I mean, that's what I personally look up to as well in terms of those that don't have to go with that model of just building this massive team, this massive group. I mean, you have way more dynamics. It's not, at the end of the day, it is, at the end of the day, is net. It's really that. Now, you may not, you may not hit that 100 million mark just now, but at the same time, your net may be way higher than them. And you may yeah. have less stress technically. Because you have less moving parts from all, managing all the different agents that may come and go, so it's, That's it's certainly true. a different you model. Have less stress in that area. You, right. you don't have to deal with people's problems. Right. <laughs> That's what I call it, um, and I don't like to deal with people's problems because I have enough of my own. And um, and but you have other stress. You know, you have to do right. a lot of things on your own where you could normally re- rely upon a team. I don't want to say I never want to have a team. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe in the future I will. I just don't know if I have at the moment the people skills. Maybe I have poor people skills, poor management skills, whatever. (laughs) Or I just didn't find the right people because Gary Keller always says you, if you find people that you have to manage, they're not the right people. They need to self-manage themselves. And I probably didn't find the right people yet, but it was so much pressure put on me to have a team. And I'm so glad that finally, like, I'm like, this is gone, you know, this pressure from my shoulders because I can be someone even if I'm just a solo agent. Yay. You know? Yeah, you can be recognized. And now yeah. it's good that there's a platform to be recognized. Yeah. Actually, I like that. There's one more question is um, out of that group, out of and for the solo agents, like what is the highest figure uh, as a solo agent? Do you, do you, do you know? I think uh, Stephanie from from California, she's in LA. I think she made over 3 million, but she has a lot of support stuff I've heard, but you know, she made over 3 million. Wow, what is that? The, like 100 million a year, basically around mm-hmm. there? Or maybe a little less, right? I think, maybe she, 80? I think she did like 150. Yeah. Oh, gee. Yeah. As a solo agent, that's just yeah. crazy. I don't even like the, the crazy part is like, how do you even manage that? Like mentally, like the, I don't just know. managing all those moving parts, right? I mean, it's basically like know. in your case, it's like double the, the volume. Yeah. It's like that's just crazy. It's that's yeah, yeah I admire it's, her for that. That's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Oh, there's some really, really cool uh people in the group. And you know, honestly, I didn't even know they existed. I had no idea. There was other solo agents that are just like me that have the same issues, the same problems, and they don't want to be a team. And ever since their group, I got to know of them because those people were never on stage. They were never recognized. And now that uh, I know them, I'm so grateful to have those relationships. It's been really amazing. 
it's inspirational as well because now you yeah. know like it's is doable to yeah, to double is. and still be alive <laughs> to do yeah. it be alive and hopefully sane to do it <laughs> yes mm -hmm. <laughs> so very good well Catherine thank you so much for joining me on the show I you know my audience welcome. yeah my audience here in the Bay Area I'm sure has has learned a lot about uh you know how you built your business also mm -hmm. you know the local Miami dynamics um yeah. what are different ways of people if they had any questions about the local market, how can they get a hold of you? Um, they can uh, email me at Catherine, like there's no Ian Catherine, Catherine at kw.com. And one thing I also want to point out, and I taught like a video class in your area before, but I am doing another video class soon. I had on the last video class, I think 300 people participated. And I teach the video class normally once a month, and it goes uh, uh, it goes very deep into how to do the virtual open houses, um, how to prepare, what tools. I mean, it does it shows everything, even like how to warm up before the videos. And um, I've gotten really really good feedback. It's twenty five dollars only, and I'm gonna do one very soon again. So. Um, if they want to want to register or want me to inform them when the next class takes place, email me Catherine at kw.com. And you can also go on my website, beautifulmiami.com and shoot me a message there. Yeah. If you have a link for it, just uh, send it to me after I'll just okay. include it in the notes. So it'll just be a little Perfect. bit easier too, but very good. Well, thank you so much for your time You're and thank welcome. you everyone else for tuning in. I'll see you at the next one. Bye now.